how did I know uh, Mrs. Funkhauser would want to come back so soon to follow up on our discussion of HMI, driver monitoring systems, and the state of the sector? Tell us what what you want to talk about. Yeah, so um, recently there's been a little bit of uproar on these SAE levels of automation. And, um, and you know, I personally um, and others, uh, Consumer Reports, but me personally mostly, have a little bit of an um, issue with these levels of automation. So Wow. I, I've never heard anyone feel that way before. <laughs> no. um, now, this is you talking or this is Consumer so, Reports talking? Uh, we can... You know what? Consumer Reports has the stance as well, and we've we have some we have articles um, online and some coming out to this effect. Um, but the the SA levels the the main issue is that they were written by engineers for engineers. Now that's not really an issue because they were never meant to be digested by consumers. Um, the SAE Society of Automotive Engineers write standards and um, to help others design and follow some principles and guidelines for creating automotive software and hardware. So when these levels were developed, they, um, you know, tried to define some of these systems that weren't exactly made yet. And the, the levels have some issues in the fact that they are seemingly hierarchical, right? So that's the first issue. Is, I, I, is, you literally, it sounds like you're plagiarizing columns I've written. Oh, I, well. You, you're not aware of my. I'm apparently a giant fanboy. Deep um, work on this topic. Please go on. Okay. All right. Well, please validate uh, anything I say here. Um, I, I feel like you may contribute as well. So the, the SA levels are numbered zero through five. Um, and although we've heard many times that they are supposed to be categorical instead of hierarchical, um, the numbers do imply that one level is either better or more capable or advanced than another, and that you also may have to go through each of the levels to get to the next. Um, and, and that's actually a problem for designing the, um, these systems because two isn't better than one, three isn't better than two, and um, so my my biggest issue actually lies within those those center levels. So the levels state that um, the differences between level two and level three is kind of who's in control of the system. And oh yes, I see your how the language of self driving is killing us. We can talk about language later too. Um, <laughs> um, but but you know so who's in control of the system and. The issue is that when engineers, like Society of Automotive Engineers, are creating these systems, they design them with hardware that can do a specific task, So, such as lane keeping, where it uses braking or steering to keep you in the lane. Maybe those are two entirely different systems. And so um, when, when consumers are trying to use those, they don't understand that those are two systems when they have kind of the same goal, right? It's trying to keep you in the lane. Um, and so the difference, again, between the sustained automation is the word that's used in the SA levels isn't clear to consumers either. So I had someone come to me and say, well, I have lane keeping system in my car. I mean, it doesn't really keep me in the center of the lane, but it's sustained because 
I turned it on when I first got the car and it's always on. Yeah. That's why Tesla people are like, well, my car, it's not autonomous, but it's totally self-driving. Right. (laughs) Right, right. Totally self driving would be a great category. Full self driving, yeah. I've heard. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, 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 normal people don't really understand these levels. And again, they weren't written for consumers, but they're actually starting to do a little bit of damage um, for consumers because they're getting out there. They're, they're kind doing of the all only, the damage. They're, they're the only scale or metric or, or reference to differences in automation that's out there. So they're being used, you know, pretty widespread. I mean, the, the elephant in the room is that Elon Musk decided he would literally ignore the SAE levels. They basically don't exist to him. <laughs> I mean, and uh, and come up with a new term, full self-driving, which is, I'm sorry, I love my Tesla, but if you're going to defend this this phrase, this term, you're an idiot, and or worse, intellectually dishonest. And so full self-driving, and I, I've had arguments with, with Tesla people, fans on the internet, on Twitter, where... I will argue, and they'll they'll say, uh, oh, you know, Musk says it, it it's full self driving with supervision. Yeah. So it's basically level four minus one. <laughs> it's literally right. You, and right. these kids, these people will defend it. They'll actually defend that. And so my my, if I were to split, just cancel the SAE levels. My proposal was to come up with a new word, geotonomy. Interesting. So level four. Is def- so I don't believe five exists. I don't think you'll ever have a vehicle go anywhere anytime. But but level but so autonomy or autonomous vehicles uh, are defined by where they work. And but stage one is that they work at all, which means no human in the loop. And level two is where they work. So that they exist is not relevant to me if they don't work where I am. So to remove any misunderstanding. A, a level four vehicle is called geotonomous. So it's autonomy with geolocation is built into the word. So there's no confusion. So vehicles are geotonomous or they're human assisted. It's one or the other. There's no, there's no levels. Right. Do you have a better suggestion? Um, yeah. So, well, I don't know better, but I have a suggestion. Let's hear it. Um, it's, it really comes down to if you're riding or you're driving, right? Mm-hmm. So if the car is driving, you're riding and you are not responsible mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're driving. So it's liability, yes, no. That's the that's the dividing line. It's it's kind of that easy, yeah, isn't right? It? Right. Um, I mean, if we talk about pilots in aviation, you're either in autopilot or you're not. You're either flying the plane well, or you're whoa, supervising whoa. it. Uh, <laughs> Don't you mean you're either in the cockpit or you're not? Yeah, yeah so that's you're, where you're, right. right, right, exactly. So, um, and it, it's it really needs to be that simple too, uh-huh. because if people are supposed to be monitoring a system, but it does right. a good job. That's, that's unrealistic. Not so much. It's yeah. you're going to check out, you're going to mm-hmm. be complacent and that's not really fair to set up someone in that situation mm-hmm. for liability sake. Right. right? So if, if you're mm-hmm. yeah, liability was a good word. Um, so you're the riding or you're driving. Um, and, if we can go back maybe to the SA levels real quick. We're, we're still on. We're them. still on. <laughs> them. We never left. Okay, great. So the, the confusion really lies in um, some of these sustained type of automation features, right? So I struggle a lot when I drive. I mean, I drive all the new cars, right? I'm driving in a brand new car at least once a week. Um, I'm driving over 80 of our test cars every year and double that for, you know, some of the press car type stuff that we get to take a look at. Um, 
I can't tell the difference. Maybe you can. Maybe you can explain this to me. The difference between a really good lane keeping system and a really crappy lane centering system. Because I'll, I'll repeat that again. All a right, really so, good lane keeping. So we're looking at the SE levels. Let's let's start there. So the difference between a level one and level two, right, is sustained or or this momentary type of intervention, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so say we have lane keeping, we'll call that what we're calling our momentary. But it's really good. It's kind of working like all the time, right? Like you turned it on, it's, mm-hmm. it's sustained. It's on the whole time in your car, and it's 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 really good. Um, and then you have another system that we might call a level two because it has lane centering where it is always on. You pushed this extra button, mm. and it's on. But it's really crappy. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between those? They're they're two different SAE levels. Yes, yes, they are. Um, I, I don't have an answer for that except to say that they are mostly all shit, <laughs> and that I'm not. I'm less concerned about that than uh, someone getting into any of them and over trusting even for one second. You got it. Absolutely. Um, people should be able to drive the way they want, what they want, wherever they go. And debates about driver safety often cross into guns, like gun ownership, whether we like it or not. These are. These are real issues. And I always say, well, you know, um, a car is as safe or dangerous as you choose it to be. There are no accidents. And people would say there's no accidents, only crashes. And I would say, you know, let's go deeper. Whenever a, um, a police report's written and it says driver lost control, uh, that right off the bat is wrong. Because if a driver, you either have control or you never had it. And so that's true with this driver assistance or not. So all this driver assistance is merely an amplifier of good behavior, but it's also an amplifier of bad behavior. And so I think that they should, I don't want to say be regulated, but there should be a common classification system of the function. So ABS is ABS. They all function within a range of behavior, but they do exactly the same thing. And traction control, same thing. Traction control, uh, and then uh, what's called stability control is where things get a little funky because you can measure, you know, uh, steering angle and, and slip different ways and levels of invasiveness that varies too. But these should all be classified as the same thing. So, like, so I think that if a car, if it's an audible alert that does no torque into the wheel because you're drifting over a lane, that's lane departure warning. Yes. If any torque is applied of any, it's, Lane keeping assistance, LCAS. You got it. Yeah. And they should be given like restaurant ratings. <laughs> oh my goodness. You're in my head. Exactly. So you have a lane keeping system, which is not lane centering because you can have, again, that, that hypothetical question. What's the difference between a good and a good lane keeping right, and bad lane right. centering, right? It's, it's all the same yeah. to, to regular people. It's all trying to keep you in the lane. It's yeah. all the same thing. Some may, you know, if you want to put it on a scale of, better to worse, right. you know, at actually keeping you in the lane. Some are better than some aren't. Um, and some are designed intentionally to not do that. But, right. I, but it's years, all, all the same thing. Years ago, uh, someone from a car company, I don't want to name because we're friends. It's me. Yeah, our lane keeping, it isn't that good. We just wanted to give you a gentle nudge. Yeah. I said, what the fuck is that? <laughs> gentle nudge. Um, it's funny though, that the one thing about Tesla, you point out the fact that it's got this hard torque, um, you know, limit, um, the one thing that 
which is a flaw on one hand, is the very thing that instills confidence in its users. People are convinced that because it feels locked in, it must know. And then for those for whom it doesn't, it, it kills them. Right, right. So, so that's kind of um, good and bad. And like you said, it instills confidence in them artificially, um, and it might not actually be that capable, which is why it's scary. But there are some other systems that have really aggressive torque, and I can name some, so Ooh, I'm going one? to, like BMW. Oh. So I unfortunately tell everyone that if there's going to be a car that will intentionally steer you into the cyclist or the mom with the stroller on the side of the road, it's, it's likely one. to be that one. Um, and I'm a BMW guy. Aggressive. I love them, but their, their systems are weird. You have to fight that thing. Yeah. If, I mean, if you don't have full grip with both hands on the wheel when it tries to do that, then watch out. Um, so just because it's an aggressive or hard type of a torque doesn't necessarily yeah. instill confidence yeah. either. Um, the, do you measure the torque? I mean, do you guys have gear and you measure the torque and compare the systems that way? Uh, not quantitatively uh-huh. because that's not really what's important. Um, but subjectively, right? So if it's going to run me into the, the mom on the side of the road, mm-hmm. um, then yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's going in my report. Um, but it, you know, some of the systems that I prefer, the ones that are, you know, very slight and almost unnoticeable because they feel like they're really just trying to help me mm-hmm. instead of take over control for me. So uh, did you ever um, uh, read up on this guy, on George Hotz? You know who that is? No. You, you, you're going to love this guy. So he is, people refer to him as a, a hacker and like a, a genius. Yeah. But his, um, and he is uh a hacker and a genius, but, and he's also very entertaining, but he's got a startup called comma AI. So he began cobbling together a Tesla autopilot type system, lane keeping with, with a active cruise control years ago. He raised a few million dollars and his, and it ran on a phone and he would hack the CAN bus, connect the phone to the CAN bus. And it, it was like basically Tesla auto, uh, autopilot must try to hire him. He's an interesting guy. So, but I used one of his early prototypes like three years ago and it's behavior was better than Tesla Autopilot at the time. And he had uh, he had a, a couple of other features that were interesting. So he very much would agree with you. He says that it, you have to be able to collaboratively steer. He also says that you absolutely must have driver monitoring. So he just uses, like now he has a, he says, um, he has like a piece of hardware he'll sell soon, which has driver monitoring built in. He also believes that um, disengagement um, you should be able to disengage not just with a brake because these systems will almost all disengage the steering functions by brake and sometimes the uh, active cruise functions. Um, but he believes by acceleration as well because in a Tesla, you can be on autopilot. You can accelerate on autopilot up. Uh, so if you're at 90, the limit of autopilot, you can accelerate beyond that. But if you go much beyond that for too long, autopilot disengages and you're locked out altogether until you stop the vehicle, put it in park. Not because so, you've tried that before, yeah, right? No. I've never tried it. But uh, so HOTS would say for safety purposes that if you accelerate or brake, disengage the system, but you can collaboratively steer no problem. And I think this is a very fundamental difference that company to I haven't tested as many cars as you have. It's almost incredible that the, that the uh, HMI <laughs> is so different across all these technologies. And that's separate from the question of how, what they're called. And into this soup, 
People go into car dealerships and attempt to buy vehicles. And, oh, is it, does it have safety features? And they hand you a piece of paper with 40 things on it. You are just teeing me up here. Yeah, what the fuck do these things mean? <laughs> it's insult. It's, it's actually, it's so disingenuous and insulting that these companies would claim to be at the forefront of safety when these fundamental things are not real or not I've got a few on. examples. Okay, so there's a clip on YouTube um, where someone was going into a Volvo dealer trying to get pedestrian detection. And by the way, I love Volvo. I've, I've, I love Volvo. I have friends of Volvo. These people mean what they say. Right. But. I mean, and Volvo's <laughs> known as like the, yeah, the safety. safety guys. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, so there's this video where they're trying to demonstrate this pedestrian detection um, in the, in the parking lot. And uh, what they realized is that they had, you know, their pre safe system, but it didn't have pedestrian detection because of course they wouldn't call it pedestrian detection if they did. Um, and it, this car didn't have it and it actually hits the other, the other fellow in the, in the parking lot. And it's a little embarrassing. Um, it's, a great visual. You should look it up. It's great. Um, so that's one example. Another one recently, I was invited to speak with the USDOT on terminology issues. And, uh, because I'm allowed to call people out, I pick a different car every time I do a presentation. This time it happened to be Mercedes because we just purchased the GLE this okay, spring. Mercedes, you know, they hate me. They hate, I think I'm blacklisted. I think I am too. Yeah, because in 2016, when I reviewed their E-Class with DrivePilot, they marketed the car as the first self-driving car from Has a arrived. self-driven company. Oh, yeah. And I ripped them up, <laughs> like ripped. And then they got so upset, they offered, to their credit, they offered me a, the, another vehicle and asked me to give it another look. So I took the instruction manual from the car and I deconstructed it line by line and compared it to the car's behavior. I was sorry, but that drive pilot was junk. Please, yeah. Ms. Funkhauser, please All right, tell here me. you go. What, what, <laughs> so unfortunately, Mercedes was right in the first row um, and they had a lot to say to me. But yeah, I, I brought up, I, I took a photo of the window sticker that we had just purchased and used that as an example of, you know, you're reading the window sticker and there were, it was a mess, right? Everything ends in Tronic, of course, because that's super unique or whatever. Um, and so everything was branded and there was steering this emergency evasive steering, this lane keeping with steering that, and it was like 10 different things for just the steering then, you know, two or three different things for, for blind spot warning. And, and it was just a giant mess. Like I have no idea what any of those things do or how they're different from each other, but it had all of them. Right. Um, so that just was a good demonstration, really easy, uh, visual to show that the window stickers are of no help. Um, and we hear reports of, of consumers trying to go in and get the safety equipment that we are recommending and trying to get standard, like automatic emergency braking. They go in and, you know, if it's called something else, they may walk out of, of the dealership without it. And yeah. it's, it's really unfortunate. So, um, in 2016, the E-Class was released and had, it was called the evasive steering assist. It, according to the manual, it said that in the event of an emergency maneuver, that the vehicle would assist your emergency inputs. Now, I'm trying to understand, even today, what that means. I suppose that the forward sensors, camera, and radar could detect an object. And if the human was steer, trying to steer around it, the car would add more steering? I have no idea. And no, no one could ever tell me. 
Um, right. Yeah. So, so here's what I, um, do in my testing and a little bit of the dismay of automakers is that I don't read the owner's manual before I test it. Mm-hmm. Um, of course I will after I have that awful, boring job of doing so I've read them all, but but we know that people aren't reading their owner's manual, right? No, no one does. And even if they did, or even if they went on to some of these websites um, and tried to read what something they have in their car does, it really comes down to their experience. Yeah. So they can read all day and all night from five different websites that try to explain the same thing in five different ways. But as soon as they get in the car and experience, that all goes out the window because now it's how it actually behaves mm-hmm. and that's what they're learning from and remembering. So, of course, the owner's manual is not a good source to explain a lot of these things. Um, it really comes down to the experience in the car, and that's why the HMI is so utterly important mm. to be able to explain that to drivers when you're in the car, what it's about to do. Um, and that goes for just the display in the instrument cluster, in addition to the heads-up display if there's one, and all the way through, you know, if you can adjust the settings in the menu – um, you got to be able to know what that beeping thing is so that you can adjust it. So, um, you know, once you're in the car, that taxonomy is more important than the owner's manual anyway. So I imagine you drive stick. I, a little bit. Okay. So <laughs> not well, are you, um, have you ever driven like a late eighties sports car? So I have a theory that's been percolating for a while about why, Tesla owners love autopilot so much because it's the dumbest Tesla owner in the world ha, clearly knows, has experienced the same flaws I've experienced. They've also experienced the same benefits I've experienced. I don't believe autopilot, well, autopilot is, a, is not a safety technology. It's just a brand name for a subset of functionalities one or two of which have safety benefits, and the rest are convenience features. You got it. All right, so we're 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 totally. really agreeing here. We're totally insane. okay. So that being said, the dumbest Tesla fan of the world clearly knows, understands that on an experiential level, even if they can't define it, they they know it, and they love these cars, and they can't explain it. So I I have um, been trying to figure out how to define that thing that they love because. It's clearly not a, the word autopilot. It's, not, it's they love using it over and over. So I drive my Tesla a lot, and I find myself. F- I've learned a cycle of tasks. I've optimized the way I drive and use it, and my task cycle, in such a way that my driving is actually easier. Like I know, I know that it, I double tap with the right stock down on the Model Three to engage autopilot. I know, um, I know rather well how it's going to ACC brake when cars are cut in front of me. Like I, I have a very good, high familiarity. I, my expectations and outcomes are evenly matched 99% of the time. And that is, whether it's safer or not, is not relevant to me because I like how it functions. It fits the way I drive and it makes my, my driving tasks easier. I get into any other vehicle modern vehicle, no matter what it has on board, I don't know what it's going to do. I don't enjoy it. And I find it impossible to fall into, to create a task cycle that is truly easy and holistic. So I own an 87 Porsche 911, which has absolutely zero automation. Most people who collect cars from that era love them. 
and yet they can't explain why, just like the Tesla people. And so I took out my, my car out of storage last year. I drove it, and it's work. But I know my expectations are evenly matched with outcomes all the time. I know how the braking works. I know the steering works. I know exactly how much work I have to do, and I know exactly what's going to happen. And in that way, Tesla has nailed something. Whatever flaws exist in the software, the auto steer software, they've nailed HMI. <laughs> and the absence of a DMS is criminal. But they've nailed the, the interface. And that is something that every other manufacturer has blown. It goes right back to the first thing you said when you came in here. So what's happening? You've studied this. It's so simple to use, So right? are, what are the people... People with this knowledge that you have, they graduate from school. Are OEMs not hiring them? Are they ignoring what they're saying? What is the disconnect? Yeah, so, um, you know, five years ago, if I were to say that I have a degree in human factors, people would not know what that means. Um, But, yeah, luckily there are more cognitive psychologists and human factors, people working in technology companies, um, I think, you know, hopefully that increases even more, but there's still kind of two camps, even within the human factors world, one from the engineering perspective, one, one from the psychology perspective. And, um, I often find even when I'm talking to other human factors experts that come from the engineering side, um, that they still lack a little bit of the, um, how real people use the technology and why that matters so much. How hard is it to go out and rent a Tesla for a week and then rent an old car? (laughs) I mean, like, are they just not, I mean, what's happening? Um, I mean, a lot of people don't have that luxury of getting to experience all these cars, um, which was, you know, one of the things that I feel I, you know, am, it's really important for me to go out and explain the differences between these systems because I have that unique opportunity of going and side by side comparing all of these cars and how they work um, and do a deep dive on them. Um, But I would say that, you know, engineers design something to do what they want it to do. And um, if it does that independently of the holistic system, then they feel like they did it right. Um, But (laughs) this kind of box ticking (laughs) is why space shuttles crash. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, you know, I don't want to psychoanalyze the whole industry, but I think that we're getting better and we're learning a lot by having it out there and realizing that people aren't necessarily using it how they were expecting them to. Who are the good guys in HMI? Uh, who, who, I mean, who are the researchers out there, the academics who are trying to like push forward and, and, and improve things? I mean, I listen, I read Missy Cummings. Like when she tweets, I listen. Like what she says makes sense to me. Um, who else? Who else is out there? Yeah, so um, I would say John Lee. He's at Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, he works heavily in trust of automated, and um, not necessarily from a how do we get people to trust this stuff blindly, mm-hmm. but how do we, you know, instill trust by having the systems do a good job, and mm-hmm. it, you know, it kind of the trust follows if the systems do if they what you said match right. your expectations, right? right? Um, so he's great. Um, Steve Kastner, actually, he's with NASA mm-hmm. and he's fantastic at, at trying to draw the parallels between the autopilots in space and, and aviation to the autopilots on the ground. Um, and 
he's great because he can take a lot of the lessons learned from that industry and try tries to show how, um, you know, there's a lot of automakers and OEMs out there that are just trying to build from the ground up when um, it seems almost like a waste. Work has been done. Yeah, <laughs> Lessons exactly, have been learned. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and then my good friend Bobby Seppelt at MIT, um, man, she's just awesome to, to work with on everything HMI related. And, um, you know, we've got terminology. We talk about that stuff till the cows come home. It's probably boring to everyone else, but that's what we do for fun. Well, that's been an episode. <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, lot. Yeah, wow. Um, and um, well, thanks so much for coming back so quickly. <laughs> I appreciate it. This is so fun. <laughs> yeah. And one more time, where do we find you on social media? Uh, my Twitter handle is at CRCarsKFunk. Well done. Um, and as usual, I'm Alex Roy144 on all platforms. This has been a very special bonus episode of the Atana Cast with Kelly Falkhauser and Consumer Reports. Thanks so much.